So mm-hmm. in the gym, we understand that we need more resistance in order to grow and get stronger. Mm-hmm. But then in life, we feel the resistance and we're like, oh, I'm going to yeah. act and run away and I'm going to let me numb this. Exactly. Let me, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't want to take on the weight that decision or that fears and so like things come up and it's like it's time to make the decision it's time to take the leap into the unknown welcome to the yes you can podcast a soft place to land for fit pros and aspiring entrepreneurs looking for a motivational cheerleader who's been through it all and believes your best life is about being brave and tapping into your magic hi i'm hannah pratt an online coach and vulnerability queen i'm here ready to share my experiences through grief life and finding my place on the podium to help you level up So grab a latte and a notebook and get ready to be inspired through the Yes You Can podcast. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Yes You Can podcast. So I am really excited about where this podcast is heading. I've been starting to own the fact that I've had a podcast for three years. I When I started this, it felt like more of a personal journey, almost like a live journal. I had, for those of you who've been around since, since the beginning, thank you. And for those of you who are just discovering me, um, my audience has kind of exploded in the last month or so. And so I started this podcast really initially to talk about my experiences through grief. And it's morphed into what I do now, which is kind of everything, business coaching, marketing, entrepreneurship, connection, mental health, motivation, instructor resources. And While at some point I might niche down and choose one of these things, this podcast is going to continue to follow me as a human being and and what I what I do and and the niche is sort of me and the people who have those same interests. So I just wanted to thank you all because it has been now three years since this podcast has been running and I'm going to be relaunching it in a bigger way with a set schedule with a lot of amazing guests who I've lined up and even new artwork, new everything. And so just get ready. Get ready for this like massive confetti explosion, which I hope will happen. And one of those things is releasing this episode, which I have been sitting on for multiple reasons. We recorded this episode in November, I believe, October, November of last year, which is seems like a lifetime ago. And this guest and I had an amazing conversation that feels right to release now. We both had a ton of stuff happening last year, but I was in the middle of launching Instructor Magic, relaunching it after not having run a cohort of it since the previous April. And a lot of changes had happened in my work, and I was all of a sudden a full-time entrepreneur and trying to figure out client cadences and stuff. And Figuring out how to share topics on this podcast that aren't fully instructor-related was something that I had a a mindset block about. I was like, if I'm sharing instructor stuff and then I go back to a really deep conversation about mindset and goal setting and subconscious stuff, like, will that confuse my audience? And I've just started to realize more and more that if I'm holding back the things that light me up and get me excited, I'm doing a disservice to people around me who are in my audience who could benefit from those conversations, whether or not they even have explicitly asked for them. And just for some further context, like my audience is on on Instagram, who I said has exploded. A lot of instructors have just found me. Hello, hi, if this is the first episode you're listening to. And so I want to provide those instructor resources, but I think what makes a great instructor, and I've said this so many times especially to my clients and my students inside Instructor Magic, is like, it's not just what you do on the podium, it's what you consume in private. It's the stuff that you fill your your heart with, your soul with. It's how you feed yourself. It's how you inspire yourself. And so something clicked for me being like, I have this magical conversation that I've been waiting for the right time to release. And this would be a conversation that would probably affect people way even more or impact them in a better way than just sharing a playlist. So this is the context for this episode. Today, I'm talking with Andrea. Andrea is the trauma-informed subconscious freedom coach and host of the Ugly Growth Podcast. Andrea offers one-on-one mentorship and group programs for change makers that desire to break free of self-sabotage and dissolve limiting beliefs so that they can create new habits, confidently share their gifts, and magnetize their desires. This is a really juicy conversation. We talk about 
Andrea's path from losing her mom, which is something I have a shared experience her with. So just as a trigger warning, we do talk about grief further down, um, but she does talk about losing her mom and in her story. She is a subconscious freedom coach. And whether you have dove into mindset stuff before, whether you haven't, whether you've lost a parent or haven't, whether you've looked into coaching or haven't, this conversation is one where we talk about growth, all the ugliness that happens with it, and the beautiful aftermath after going through the gauntlet and choosing to to grow. So thank you, friends, for listening to what's going to happen with the podcast, to getting excited with me. I would love it if you would share this podcast with your friends. One thing that I've I've really like tried to get my mindset around is stop playing small. And that includes not promoting my podcast when I do a beautiful episode. So I would really love it if you would share this on your stories or send this to somebody you know. If you enjoyed it, please leave me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And if you are curious about any of the business coaching that I talk about in this episode, the launch strategy stuff, know that those links are in the show notes. You can apply to work with me, which is basically just setting up a call where I can give you some quick wins on how to take the first steps towards your goals as an entrepreneur, as somebody who wants to start a side hustle. I can talk about my offerings and we can discover if we are a great fit to work together. So that is it, friends. I can't wait to dive into this episode. Welcome, Andrea, to the Yes, You Can podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So it's funny when I invited you on, I feel like I had been waiting for you to put your hand up and ask to be on the podcast. And I don't know if that was like an energetic pull. And I think we're going to be talking a little bit like the woo stuff today, hopefully. But you had said this was actually like, I don't know if you phrased it as a bucket list, but something that a goal of yours to be on this podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so it seemed like it was meant to be. And I'm super thrilled to be chatting with you both as like somebody that I've known for a few years and I don't even know really how, but also somebody who's in this coaching space and then somebody who's had some similar experiences to me. And, you know, we have some connection in terms of grief that we'll get into. But I thought to start off, like your journey into becoming a coach for others, into having a coaching program, into leading people into self-discovery, if you will, if you could take us along that, like your origin story of how you got into this and maybe your your purpose, and then we can go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is such a big question. It's like, where do I even begin, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because it's definitely never something that I assumed for myself. Like I studied business in university. Like I have a commerce degree. I majored in international business. (laughs) So and I've never done anything with that degree. So that's great. Experience leads us to where we're supposed to be, though, right? And the fact that you have a business now is kind of maybe is not the type that you thought. Yeah. But yeah, no, I basically did that from a place of just wanting to create safety for myself. Of, mm. well, business is pretty like there's a large variety of things you can do with that, like maybe marketing or finance or there's so many avenues that you can take with business. So that was kind of my mentality of it's safe to do that. Mm-hmm. But I had feeling even in second year because I was taking psychology courses for all my electives and I was like, wow, I'm getting like A plus on all these psych courses and it's actually really interesting to me. Like maybe I should transfer into psych. But I kind of had that mentality back then of, oh, an arts degree is like not a good use of your time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like wild to look back on like the way that my mind worked back then and now how it is it's, like completely mm-hmm. different. So I wish I'd followed that like sort of intuitive hit back then. Oh, maybe this is the way, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. alas. So for myself, I mean, I think this is how it starts for a lot of people is like you go through your own spiritual growth journey and Mm -hmm. make these major shifts in yourself. And then you realize, wow, okay, like I feel that I have the capacity now to really help others who have faced similar challenges or like just need support, really. Mm-hmm. So that journey for me, I mean, I know we we connect on this issue. 
really started with, yeah, my mom being diagnosed with, with stage four cancer and, and dealing with the grief of that and her passing away at age 54. And it just felt like my world kind of turned upside down. It was like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't think I ever really knew, but then it was just like mm-hmm. the one tether that had me tied to the earth was now cut, like floating around. And at the time, like I was living in Winnipeg and I was working in the service industry and just like the lifestyle that I was living was not conducive to growth and not mm-hmm. conducive to healing. Like it was very much let's drink multiple times a week and just go out and have surface level conversations but it doesn't matter because yeah it was yeah (laughs) yeah exactly not the path that I wanted to be on and I it was like going deeper and deeper into like really abusing alcohol and drugs Mm -hmm. and at some point I just had this voice I don't know this knowing within me that was just like Andrea you're better than this like you are better than this. Take a look around. Look at the people around you. Is this the life that you want for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, no, this is like, this isn't it. And I'm a firm believer that you cannot heal in the same environment that made you sick. Oh, wow. That is an extremely powerful statement that I've never heard before. Really? That I love. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I kind of just took a look around and realized if I really wanted to change myself, like I needed to completely get out of that environment because it was every aspect of my life that was feeding into this role that I was playing of I don't Mm. really care about anything and pretend just like pretending that I don't care about anything to protect me from actual hurt and actual pain and like actual disappointment. But in reality, it wasn't doing anything. It just kept me in a state of feeling really numb. Mm-hmm. And not really feeling connected to myself, not con- not feeling connected to life at all. Um, so overall, I just wasn't in a good place. And I was like, I need, I know I need to get out of here. And I was looking at a few different places. I had a friend who was living in Colombia at the time. And so she was like, hey, I think you'd really like it here. Like, why don't you come down and just see how it goes? And I was like, I don't know, like Colombia, isn't that place like really dangerous? Narcos was like rich flow of the time. So it was like, yeah, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Are you sure? And she's like, oh, trust me, like it's beautiful. You're going to love it. So I was super resistant about going, but I booked a one-way ticket. This was in February 2019. So it was like three months after my mom had passed away. And I was like, you know what? Let's just see how it goes. Maybe I'll be gone for two, three months. And I ended up staying there for Three years. <laughs> I haven't experienced this story myself, but I feel like that's there's a the one way ticket, like oh. stopping somewhere and then having that be your place to land for yeah. a while is something I've heard before. Yeah. And I, I, it sounds like that was positive for you Absolutely. to remove yourself from the environment. As you said, that was making you sick and it, continue. I don't want to even interrupt <laughs> this beautiful story. Well, good. Yeah. So, I mean, when I first got to Colombia, I was definitely like engaging in some of the same behaviors that I was back in Canada. So like partying, drinking. I ended up like finding a job there so that I could have a visa to stay for the length of time that I did. And probably about six or seven months went by of, of being there. And then I felt the same sort of like disappointment, numbness feeling come over me that I had thought I had mitigated by being in a different place, being in a beautiful country around new people. And I was like, oh, no, (laughs) I thought I outran this because there is definitely an aspect of running away involved Mm -hmm. in that. And so all of that kind of came crashing down. Oh, no, I guess it requires more than just leaving the place. Yeah. So I remember like very vividly, I was just like laying flat on my bed like starfish kind of looking up at the ceiling after work and just being like oh no (laughs) where do I go from here so and at that point I really I just don't think I had dealt at all with like the the grief of my mother's death or any of that like it was just kind of let's put that in a box and put it over here and maybe we'll come back to it one day but not (laughs) okay let's put all of those feelings and just wrap them up and 
compartmentalize yeah. that place and lock that room. Yeah, I completely understand that. Exactly. And so it was like, well, maybe that's not the answer. Like, maybe I actually need to look at these feelings and look at my experience and the patterns of behavior. Because there was a lot of other stuff going on as well. Just like catching myself in like romantic relationships of like with people mm -hmm. who would really treat me like shit. And it was like this big like self-worth thing that was kind of hitting me in the face of like, why do I keep doing this? Like, why mm -hmm. keep attracting these circumstances? Yeah. And so that was a big part of the wake up call for me of like, why do I keep putting up with this? And it's like, I know that they're doing it and I keep going back. So it's like mm -hmm. part of me feels like this is what I am worth and what I deserve. So there were there was like multiple aspects to it. So I made the decision to start inquiring, OK, what might be like the best way to discover myself and, and go on this process because I had worked with a counselor back in Canada for maybe a year, like while my mom was sick, right after she passed away. But I never really felt like she understood me or what I was going through. Like, I didn't feel like I was making progress. Like, even mm. after a year of that, there was no, like, tangible thing that I could point to and be like, yes, I'm doing better in this area. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. So I knew that I didn't necessarily want to go the traditional route of seeking out another therapist. And so being in Colombia as well, there's a lot of spiritual opportunities, especially plant medicine. So mm -hmm. that was the avenue that I started looking in when I first started my journey. So I went kind of like right for the, I don't know, the, <laughs> the top gun with ayahuasca, which I think is a lot more well known now, but at the time I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't even know like what I'm getting myself into. And like, it was pretty terrifying. And there's all these expectations that you have just based off other people's blogs and YouTube videos, things like that. Yeah, probably like very high expectations from like a transformation perspective and also like fear based on what. I mean, for those of you who don't know, like it seems that from what I can understand, it seems like a pretty intense physical experience yeah. along with the mental journey, like exactly buckets stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it is a purgative. And actually, so in Colombia, the medicine is called yahe. So it's a little bit different okay. than the Peruvian medicine, which is ayahuasca. And so okay. yahe is even like a little bit more purgative than traditional ayahuasca. Mm. So it's like even more rough on your body. Wow. Okay. Experience. So, yes, there it was a lot of purging. It's a lot of yeah physical discomfort. And the first experience I had with the medicine, I actually didn't even feel anything. Like I had no mm. visuals, no no experience, and I was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. But I continued to work with the medicine. Apparently, that's very normal, by the way, for your first time to to not experience anything. So at least that's what the shaman told me. And I continued that journey and eventually decided it wasn't really working for me personally. And I decided to go a different route with working with psilocybin mushrooms. And that was basically when the lockdowns with COVID and everything were, were happening. And so it was basically me alone in my apartment, like <laughs> going on these really intense high-dose mushroom journeys because mm -hmm. uh, in Colombia the lockdowns were intense like you were not even allowed to go for a walk outside oh my gosh like you were only allowed to go to the grocery store one day a week and it was like in accordance with your id number and they would have okay ID that would check wow so it's like you were locked down <laughs> yeah that's pretty that's a that's a hard that's a terrible it's a hard experience it's a scary experience yeah to have that level of like oversight I think yeah yeah and I think that also pushed me deeper into going inward right because well there's nothing mm -hmm. else to do so <laughs> yeah I guess I'll do that so I felt like mushrooms are really like the catalyst for me in terms of blasting my heart open and really seeing like my ego for the first time and like realizing that I had placed a lot of my own sense of worth on like only my physical appearance and like how that had led to some of the relationship issues that I was having just because I was I had been a very shallow person like the the way that I viewed myself was the same way that I viewed others and overall it was just like a very shallow experience 
And so coming to terms with that and just like really facing how how cringe it was essentially <laughs> was like, oh man, okay, this is really uncomfortable. And so that was sort of the catalyst of the idea for ugly growth, right? It's once I really started mm-hmm. doing this work and realized the discomfort that is involved of really facing yourself and owning those darker aspects of yourself, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. ugly. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, at that point, I d- decided that I wanted to start blogging about my experience with with plant medicine and just basically what I thought of the mental health care system as a whole, because it also mm-hmm. kind of sent me down this rabbit hole of like how limited our resources really are and how like this, the therapies that we have access to are not actually really beneficial for the majority of people. And I was also reading a lot of Gabor Mate at the time, who talks a lot about this and also talks a lot about the connection between like childhood trauma and how that manifests as cancer, autoimmune dysfunction and all that. So I Mm -hmm. felt, okay, this is what happened with with my mom, for sure. And I could see that playing Mm -hmm. out. And I was like, I know that I don't want to follow in her footsteps and I want to help as many people like also have the tools and know that just because traditional therapy doesn't work for them or just because pharmaceuticals don't work for them like there are so many other healing options available like so many different modalities like body work somatic work like hypnosis like plant medicine Mm -hmm. it's just so much available to us and so that was really my drive with creating my blog for the first time and at that point I, I knew I wanted to start a podcast but I didn't have the courage yet to share my voice so mm. writing just felt safer to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah I bought the domain Ugly Growth, and wrote a few different blogs, and was kind of blown away by the views and like the responses and the feedback that I was getting, and it felt really good. Mm-hmm. And I just was also like feeling really unsatisfied in the work that I was doing professionally at the time. I was an account manager at a PR company, so. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I get it. Like it's, I know everyone needs this kind of work mm-hmm. because now that work has actually helped me a lot in my own business and, and getting my name out there with those PR skills. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of was like, how can I turn this into something that can help people on an even deeper level? And that's when I started looking at different training options and realized that Gabor Mate actually has his own therapeutic training which is called Compassionate Inquiry. So it's like a year-long trauma therapy training. And so I signed up for that, and it was completely life-changing, that program. Because not only are you learning the modality, you're also practicing the modality every Mm. week. So like you're taking turns, like one person's a therapist, one person's a client. Okay. You're like doing so much of your own inner work as you're learning. I feel like that's a big component that's missing in the traditional educational system the way it is right now, because there's a lot of people who study to be a therapist that have never actually had to do their own work. And yeah, or they're really good at avoiding it. Exactly. Exactly. But what you can't see in yourself, it's really hard to see in someone else. Like, I think that is the reason that I am really good at what I do now is because I have seen so much within myself that as soon as I can get a hint of a little pattern happening in someone else, it's like I can pinpoint it immediately. And so we just can really get to the root of it quickly because I've witnessed it in myself. It's not just something that it's, I think this might be it from a book that I read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I... Like, I want you to continue the story because I'm super enraptured in it. Nobody can see me, but I'm like nodding along, like having to mute myself. So I'm not like, "Mm, yes. Mm." There was something you shared on one of your stories. And I think it was about the one-on-one sessions you were doing, maybe, or it was with a client. And you were talking about how a great coach can illuminate different areas. And maybe you said this differently, but it was like, for me, how I experienced this when I have a great coach or a therapist and I have a great therapist now, is they illuminate these like blind spots that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. It's like they turn on a lamp and shine it over here. And I like remove my blinder and I'm like, holy fuck, there's all of this? I thought this was the story. And it turns out 
that's not the story. And that can be earth shattering. And at and where I'm at now, that's a positive thing to to really break down those those truths, quote unquote, that I've I've owned or or taken in and had root inside me. And so I really appreciated that that description of what you do and how you're able to do it effectively because I truly believe you can, you should not ask people to do things that you haven't like really explored yourself. And obviously this is like an ongoing journey. You're never going to be done, I don't think. But if you have done that work, it's it's as you said, it's it's like you have the skills to be able to do it and you have the you have that you've walked that journey you've walked that road that you're asking people to go down as well Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was a reel that i posted that's like a good coach can point out something in three seconds that might take you three years to figure out on your own yeah totally and it's so it's so true and i like i was just reflecting on this because i also had posted something just yesterday about one of my clients who like has been basically feeling super stuck in wanting to be a yoga teacher and it's been like a year of her being like, I want to do this. I want to do this, but feeling like she can't or doesn't know how. And you know, all those like limiting stories that we tell ourselves about what's possible for us. And with like in under a month of working together, she received an offer at you know her dream yoga studio of like actually starting and teaching a class. So amazing. And it's people always think about the the financial investment of what they're losing, right? like the cost of working with a coach yeah but you can always make more money you cannot get your time back if you want to spend another year two years three years like coming up against the same patterns of self-sabotage be my guy yeah but like working with a coach it actually collapses timelines and like I've experienced that myself working with many coaches now at this point so it's just mm-hmm. like I I just want more people to understand like you yeah you don't have to stay stuck where you are like having someone in your corner in that way is such an invaluable asset. Totally. Yeah, I the collapsing of timelines. I love the way you phrase that. It's we do different work obviously, you know, I coach people mostly in the business launch strategy writing, but people hire me because they they want that expertise and they want to shorten that that learning curve and they want to get to the finish line much faster. And I think that I'm really optimistic about where we're at now, where, we're, where a lot of people are seeing the same value in business coaching or in, in mindset, in personal development work as they are in professional development. And it's becoming more commonplace to invest in yourself, even if there isn't like a specific monetary goal or or like whatever but you know becoming a yoga instructor i think that's more of a manifestation of like the confidence to be able to do that versus what i also teach on which is like filling those classes and doing something like people are seeing value in that work which is deinstitutionalizing this knowledge that we used to just go to a university class and i'm like i think it's becoming much more commonplace and i'm glad that that's the case where people are learning from each other versus necessarily looking at somebody who has a PhD in something, but has never actually done that stuff. That was Okay. So great. So you have done all this work. You had taken this program course with Gabor Mate. And then how did you start to take on clients? Was that always your goal through that course or... Honestly, no. I would say having the Ugly Growth podcast was always my number one goal and vision that I had for sharing this knowledge and just like connecting with people and and, like hopefully motivating and inspiring them to take their power back (laughs) and yeah, explore alternative avenues for, for bettering themselves. Because yeah, I think, I mean, for a long time, I just felt so stuck and like thinking, well, if therapy didn't work if I didn't want to take prescriptions and there's nothing else for me and I'm just defective and I guess I'll just be this way forever and that's a really hopeless and defeating place to stay and I know a lot of people are are stuck in that place mentally so that was like the goal with the podcast is just to really help people see that there are so many options available to them and that was all that I started with (laughs) that's a goal I never really thought that I'd work with people 
I just wanted to like share about my experiences with plant medicine and things like that. But as I started to do this work, like probably about six months into the year long training program, I was like, wow, this is really powerful. And I think because I was seeing the, the shifts that it made in me and also just recognizing like the people that I was in compassion inquiry with, like I was the youngest person in my cohort. Most people were like 50 years old. A lot of them were trained therapists and PhDs that just didn't actually know how to work with these sort of unconscious underlying narratives. So again, yeah, like deinstitutionalizing the knowledge. And yeah, just like really thinking about how most people go their whole lives without doing this work and then they only become the like the best version of their limited self so it's like they might do okay Mm -hmm. but they're not really like getting out of their own way to the extent that they could they're not tapping into their own greatness because there's still these limitations again as you said there's like blind spots that you can't even see so your your vision Mm -hmm. is very narrow like life is absolutely about perspective. So the way that you view things is the way that you experience life. And that yeah. that freedom comes through offering new perspective. And so mm-hmm. that was a big part of the work that I was doing. And I was just like, wow, this is so valuable. This is so powerful. So yeah, eventually I was just like, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try working with people and just see how it goes. And that was when I like only was just starting to see like, people that were coaches like I feel like that was when the coaching industry was first like becoming a thing like obviously Mm -hmm. there were coaches before like Tony Robbins and like big like big Gabrielle Bernstein and things like that yeah yeah but in terms of like the Instagram coaches I didn't really see a lot of people doing that work and so I had a lot of my own limiting things to work through well maybe I just need to become a therapist and go back to school for Mm -hmm. eight years and all that stuff it's like yeah no (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I I don't I think maybe eight months into that program I was like I'm just gonna create this like small group program and kind of see how it goes so I yeah I created my first program it was called the mind to heart method which is still very much about what my work is about is going from the mind to really getting into the body and then feeling your way through things Mm -hmm. um so yeah I had four people sign up for that first round and it's just been like baby steps since then of like little incremental growth but like Mm -hmm. looking back it feels no time at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah and now you have wild and worthy women Mm -hmm. which is the the i've loved watching this i don't even want to say metamorphosis it's like this growth i can't think of a more original word from you really owning like your expertise and the transformations that you help these women come through and sharing their wins, you know, obviously with their consent and sharing the the pathway and like the behind the scenes. And that's something I always encourage my clients to do is bring your audience in, like sh- show them what's behind that curtain that of like actually what it's like to work with you and own your expertise. Because when people see you doing that, they trust, like they trust like that this is actually like something that's going to help them and there's always like lurkers who will be watching and just waiting for their moment to that it feels right and that the problem is urgent enough for them but I've loved seeing all the things you've described from that really honest self-awareness that I don't think a lot of people get to when they realize that they are a lot of their self-worth and value is tied to how they their appearance and their physical body and I remember seeing like mostly workout videos from you. And I was always so impressed because don't get me wrong, you are so strong. And I'm like, this is amazing to, to being in Colombia to then kind of being parallel spaces to me where I'm, I'm, I've also come into a coaching role with people. And so what is, what is Wild and Worthy Women all about? And who is it sort of for, for now that we've spoken a little bit about your journey to get here? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the workout videos because I'm always curious who remembers that iteration of me because that literally feels like a whole other lifetime ago. Absolutely. Like running boot camps in Winnipeg. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, I was there for that. I remember it. And I, I fully, firmly believe, you know, I was in, I've, I say this all the time in my spin classes, you can live a thousand different lives. Mm-hmm. And like, when you feel like it's time to change, don't worry about 
whether it makes sense to other people. There'll be people who will see it and be inspired by your courageousness to leave something behind that's no longer serving you instead of having you feel like for some reason you have to stay in that place. I was a DJ. I did all these other things that I did fitness competitions, which I like I, I talk about like very openly how they affected me. And so it's not a it's just like I love seeing that growth pattern from when I, I first came to know you somehow, however that happened in the Winnipeg way. So back to Wild and Worthy Women. Yeah. Who is it sort of for? Yeah. So Wild and Worthy, it is, yeah, obviously, like this program specifically is designed for feminine beings. Like I do work with everyone in my one-on-one container, but I just found like there were specific things that I really wanted to touch on with women in terms of this underlying sisterhood wound that so many of us face where it's like we feel the need to compete with one another and to tear each other down and like we're all playing this zero-sum game where it's like if one woman has success then it somehow takes away from my success and it's like we're we're pitted against each other and I mean there's a lot of layers to it obviously but I just found like for myself, it had been so impactful over the last couple of years to be in like women's circles and like spaces specifically for women and, and sharing stories and connecting in that way. So I knew that I wanted to create something like that for myself, for this ugly growth. And the at the core of it is getting to, yeah, the subconscious underlying narratives that hold us back so especially with women there's a lot of I'm not enough I'm not I'm not loved or I'm not wanted or I'm a disappointment and sort of like all these yeah narratives that we don't really realize that we have it's not a conscious belief it's not like you're walking around with a sign on you that says I'm not enough but it's just the way that you operate within the world So it's really getting up close and personal with our patterns of behavior to see what does your behavior actually say about you as a person and shining the light on the unconscious aspects of that. So I I always come back to this Carl Jung quote, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So I speak to a lot of people who just keep coming into the same patterns, keep feeling really stuck, and they don't understand why. They don't understand why they can't get out of it. It's like they're hitting their head against a wall over and over and over again. So the the core focus of what we do together is getting clear on what that wall is. Because if you have a goal to do something, like being a yoga teacher, for example, just because that's what I already talked about with one of my clients. Mm-hmm. But you have a subconscious belief that that you you don't have what it takes or like you're not smart enough or whatever it is, you're not going to be able to actually move towards that desire, that thing that you want to manifest because your subconscious always gets what it wants. (laughs) Your subconscious Mm -hmm. always wins. So until you address those actual like underlying root causes, you can't actually make a behavioral change that's going to last. So Mm -hmm. I think people always look at the behavioral change, like the surface level content of their life as the problem. You know, it's like the, I like to use the analogy of the tree. Yeah, exactly. So we have the tree and we look at the fruits of the tree and we don't like them. We don't like how much money we have. We don't like our relationship. We don't like the job that we have. We look at the fruits and we think that we need to change the fruit. But the fruit is a, is, yeah, exactly. The symptom. It's the byproduct of the roots of the tree. So this work is really about getting to those roots, those underlying narratives, looking at our unconscious selves, our, our shadow selves, doing that shadow work, and really coming to terms with full being of, of who we are. Because we spent a lot of time making ourselves wrong. <laughs> For certain things that we do or certain beliefs that we have, you know, certain judgments that we have, we all have these parts of ourselves that we deem as wrong or bad. And so we repress them and we pretend they're not us. And then we create this ego self that's like only identified with good and happy and like successful and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. 
So it's just basically opening up the to the full spectrum of the experience of life and, and coming into acceptance of all that we are. Like one of the questions I asked on the last call was like, how would it feel if there was actually nothing wrong with you? Let that feeling sink into your body. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because th- like that's the, yeah. that's the truth. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. So that's like the baseline that we're operating from. And mm-hmm. doing that like dissolving of all of these like really it's adaptations it's adaptations that we've created in response to like our childhood society our friends like all these things uh, trying to be a version of us that we think will be more loved more accepted more successful but then it leaves us like burnt out and depleted and then we wonder why we're so exhausted all the time because we're trying to play this role that isn't actually us so yeah wild and worthy is really about dismantling all of those narratives and really mm-hmm. shining the light on them, getting clear on what they are and getting clear on how our patterns of what we call self-sabotage is actually serving us so that we can come into full acceptance and align with who we truly are. And from that place, it's okay. Now that we've shed all of that, what do we want to put in its place? So I think a lot of the times people do the, the d- dissolving work. But then they forget that they need to put something else there. <laughs> Otherwise, it's mm-hmm. challenging to not fall back into the old path. Right. Yeah, it's like your reflex. Like exactly. you need to like reprogram exactly. that reflex to something new. Yeah. So the first part of the program is about really getting to those unconscious things, doing the dissolving work. And then the second part of the program is, okay, what do we want to put in its place? So we go into like creativity and storytelling and being your fullest authentic expression and like boundaries and what you're available for and we do dance as well we do like somatic movement getting into the body so we do a lot of different things but it's basic yeah it's a three-month journey and it's I mean I love it it's like everything that I could possibly pour into one (laughs) it is this program So, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. That's amazing. And you're on your second round of it or th- or yes, we just finished week 4 of the second round. And I've been like debating, I'm like, do I want to continue with Wild and Worthy? Mm. Cuz part of my brain has been like, well, it's so many different things, like maybe it would serve more people if you broke it up into smaller things like that had a more specific outcome so like outcome yeah yeah, you know so one thing for creativity one thing for somatic embodiment rather than a long three-month journey like doing like shorter bursts things that are more specific Mm -hmm. and so I don't know that's something that I've been wrestling with but even just describing it right now I'm like I love this program so much I I feel you 100% and like as a as a launch coach who has a big meaty program as well called Total Launch Formula which explores like email marketing, course creation, course launching, publicity, growth strategies, audience connection, messaging, branding. It's everything somebody needs. And it's, it can be overwhelming in both the, the greatest way. And also some people can get lost really quick because they their eyes are so open to everything that they don't know. And as a coach, it's like it's like trying to just lead them along this path and be like, it's totally fine. Everything you're feeling is normal. And there, I've been wrestling with the same question of, like, should this be smaller? Should this be more digestible? Should there be a, a pre-course that is available to people who, who need some more foundational learnings? But then at the same time, I love being there for the journey with people when they have that big breakthrough or they get, they actually do the work. And I'll probably bring in a mindset coach. Maybe I'll chat with you next time to come into a masterclass because it's like, a lot of these breakthroughs are are not just like the tactical learnings. They are the mindset. How do you see yourself? Why are you procrastinating on doing this thing that's actually super easy? Mm-hmm. Is it because there's something that's serving you currently of being of playing small and saying, I'm I, you know, I'm just side hustling. This is just a side hustle. You know, the just word that we put in to soften how big we actually want to play. Mm-hmm. And I see that, but I can't. It's like, I'm, I love strategy. I love tactics and, but I'm very aware of the mind. And so it's really interesting to see how people go through the program and some of the things that they butt up against are usually not to do with the tech 
or the implementation or not knowing how because we cover all of that. It's the mindset stuff that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And until they confront that or are aware of it, even there's a lack of awareness that's actually, I think, hard to sometimes pinpoint. And there's a lack of willingness to be aware, yeah. too. I need a program that's going to teach me when I'm working. I'm like, that probably is true. But we also need to confront the fact that, like, you are that there's something else like brewing here. And it can be hard to separate the two. Mm-hmm. But but I think as coaches, like it's we're doing a great job if we are asking those questions of should it be smaller, should it be a bit different? Because it's an iterative, flexible thing that like matches the energy of the humans inside of it, too. So I love that you're asking the question. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe there will be a third round. Like, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Like the starting a business, like though it's coming up against those narratives in such an intense way. Like for myself, I've had to deal with a lot of that too on my journey. I think the first year of doing the work that I did, I had all these like beautiful testimonials, but yet I still didn't believe in myself. It was like, oh, well, I didn't have anything to do with this. One of the things you mentioned is like seeing me blossom and like really own the power of the transformation that I do. And like Mm -hmm. that only came through doing some of that subconscious work of of realizing my own value because mm-hmm. I didn't realize yeah. I had a blind spot that was telling me like what I do doesn't make a difference mm-hmm. yeah so and I was able to like really pinpoint like just the the origin of that story from being a kid you know it's like it you just don't have the power you don't have the control and like you you want to do something so badly but like you can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I could see like where that got into place. And it was like a, such a deeply moving experience for me when I tapped into that narrative and saw that how that was playing out. Like it was playing out in so many areas of my life. And it was only once I realized, oh, no, I actually I do make a difference. I, I am valuable and the work that I do mm-hmm. is really valuable. That is when everything started to take off. That's when I created Wild and Worthy. And saw exponential growth in my business. Like in January of this year, I was questioning whether or not I was actually going to continue with ugly growth, whether I had what it takes. I was like worried about paying rent. And now it's like looking like it's a six figure year. (laughs) That's so amazing. I'm like, that's that's not a lot of time. Like that was that was literally January. So that's. It's just like wild how quickly those shifts can happen when you really get to the root of, of what's holding you back, which is so, yeah, so important for business owners. And I, I work with mm-hmm. a lot of business owners as well. So mm-hmm. I I feel like this is an, it might be an interesting segue. It might be hard to answer. But for the people who don't know some of Andrea's story and and my story, like I've spoken about my grief journey a lot on the podcast, I think episode one was me telling that full story in detail about losing my mom. I was 26. You were 25 when you lost your mom. And that's really, it's a really hard time. It's a really hard time that not a lot of, at least in my experience, none of my friends could relate to whatsoever. And it was a very lonely journey. And it's just a lonely and weird time where you feel like that. You said tether was, was cut and it totally felt like you were describing my experience as well, where you have this like soft place to land you have this foundation you feel rooted and then all of a sudden you're floating like a balloon up in the sky and you're like trying to figure out how to get back down lots of disassociation you were talking about numbing yourself and and that tough exterior too of I felt like anybody could like I was like would welcome anybody to try and come at me quote unquote in any way and I like I love I was so because I had to be that for my mom, I had to be that tough person of like trying to be to show her that everything was going to be okay. And I know you just at a very high level, I knew that you were really trying to like solve it and like doing a lot of work to try and figure out a treatment and all that sort of stuff. Is there, I guess, going you and mentioned some stuff about childhood trauma and like from your from your understanding of trauma and grief, like I'm really impressed by the fact that some you said something in your episode about 
think it was episode 10, maybe I'm getting it wrong. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but about alchemizing your life. And you were talking about how, even though this is something you never would have wished for your life, you have, I don't want to say used it, but it's, you've had a similar experience to me where it's allowed you to be the person you are today and given you a certain, I don't, I don't know if it's power. I don't know if that's the word you would use, but you said it so beautifully. And I was like, it's such a hard thing to communicate. This was the hardest, most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me. And yet I don't know the person I would have been if she hadn't passed away, if I hadn't gone through this experience. And it's a really hard and weird thing to describe to people who haven't gone through it. And so I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Because I know anytime I speak about my grief, people who feel alone and who don't feel like they are being seen all of a sudden feel validated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's tough because like when you're in the midst of it, it's like, how dare you tell me that this is like a good thing and that this is going to be the Absolutely. power. Um, yeah. So I think if someone had told me that, like when it was first happening, I would have wanted to put it to them in the face. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have. Yeah, I probably would have. Exactly. And I think it's like a Steve Jobs quote or something like that, that you, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. And that's 100% how it is. It was through my mom's diagnosis that I even read Gabor Mate's work for the first time. Like, yeah. I would have never felt compelled to read that or cared about what trauma is or seen how risky it is to not process your trauma, to not process your emotions. Like, that just never would have been a thought. Like, working in the mm -hmm. service industry, like, hanging out. Like, <laughs> right. like, that just wasn't a care in my mind. And that's why a lot of people don't do this work until they're, like, 50 years old. Mm. by that point it's like you've already lived like so much of your life in these sort of limited constructs and and yeah not feeling connected to yourself and not even realizing that there's there's a better path available so yeah I think I mean giving yourself permission to like grieve and in, in whatever way that needs to happen so for me I mean yeah I, I ran away and it's like I don't I don't judge myself for that now again like at the time I could have been like oh I'm running away but now I can look back and see like it's exactly what I needed at the time and yeah it's you can't make a wrong decision <laughs> mm -hmm. you just make the decision you make and then life plays out as it's gonna play out right I think a lot of the time we get so stuck of well is this the right thing is this the wrong thing it doesn't yeah that doesn't actually exist <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. That that moment of indecision that you're like paralyzed in it. And that's just what leads to inaction and not really doing anything. Um, mm -hmm. But it's your ability to to lean into it and to really hold that pain of the experience that is what builds the strength. I know I've mentioned Gabor Mate approximately a thousand times already, but <laughs> there's a quote of his that I really like. It goes something like, you know, all of Western medicine is built on the goal of getting rid of pain but healing is actually the capacity to hold pain mm -hmm. and so holding pain is uncomfortable it's it's yeah it's ugly right again going back to the ugly growth aspect of it but doing so is how we build strength so mm -hmm. i think a lot of the times like people will be in their life kind of like flailing about and they'll ask for strength like they'll pray for strength, but then something hard comes up. And then we look mm -hmm. at the circumstances of that challenge and we're like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like this. Like, yeah, you just it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Can't you just give me strength? But strength comes through holding the heavy thing, right? Like the thing that on the surface seems like the worst thing that could ever happen to you, like the death of your mom, for example is what ends up like being the thing that builds your strength to the point where you have the capacity now to truly like blossom into the person that mm -hmm. you're meant to be, which is now, yeah, serving others, like the same for both mm -hmm. of us. And I think it's really interesting because we like, I mean, this is an example I come back to a lot. We understand this concept in the gym of mm -hmm. like resistance and lifting weights. If I were to give you like one pound dumbbells and say, okay, do 10 reps, You'd be like, 
like, this is not enough. Like, this isn't going to do anything for me. This isn't going to help me grow. So mm. in the gym, we understand that we need more resistance in order to grow and get stronger. Mm-hmm. But then in life, we feel the resistance and we're like, oh, I'm going to yeah. act and run away and I'm going to avoid. Let me numb this. Exactly. Let me, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to take on the weight of, of that decision or that fears. And so like things come up and it's like it's time to make the decision. It's time to take the leap into the unknown. And there's mm-hmm. fear and discomfort and resistance that comes up and we avoid it. And we say, mm-hmm. oh, well, because I'm experiencing this, it must not be meant to be. Or mm-hmm. maybe I'm just not cut out for this or whatever it is. But give it a few reps. Mm-hmm. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So I feel like the problem is like most people just don't give themselves that opportunity and that grace and therefore don't build any resilience and then continue living in this like reactionary state of reacting to life rather than being able to respond to life. So mm-hmm. it leaves them like sort of in this victim consciousness of woe is me and everything just happens to me and I have no power in it. And then they can't take action on their goals. And ultimately they fall out of integrity with themselves. And that just becomes a really challenging hole to crawl out of. So mm-hmm. I think ultimately it comes down to leaning into the resistance and being able to hold the pain, like holding what you're going through and knowing like, even if you can't possibly understand how or why, it is ultimately in your greatest service to do so. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like having that trust in the universe that the universe wouldn't give you anything that it didn't think you could handle. Like mm-hmm. that requires faith. <laughs> yeah. And it can be hard for people to, I think you said in that when you were speaking about this in your podcast, it can be triggering for some. It can be really triggering. And I think depends on where you're at too. As you mentioned, if you're in that pain, like the the immediate aftermath or you're in the deepest, darkest depths, it's not helpful. But if the two of us are sitting here and saying this, you know, a few years out for you and eight years out for me, the pain will always exist. Like it will always exist. Mm-hmm. And some days it's barely there and other days it's big and it I always use the metaphor of it's like at first the waves are just like crashing and everything is big every anniversary every birthday every day that you're you're reminded and you have this like for me it was like a breath like being taken out of my body like I just been kicked in the stomach when I would remember and now it's more of a dull like I feel like it's like a scar where yeah of course sometimes it's gonna ache but it's not like I'm in the middle of after just coming out of major surgery and I'm everything I do hurts. And I do feel very strongly that everything you said is, is very true. That like the, especially the, the muscle, like feeling like stronger and being able to handle more. And some days there's been days where I've been like, I don't, I don't, didn't want this. I didn't want to have to be this strong. And could somebody else, for the love of God, come and take this fucking burden from me. (laughs) But, but I also know that it's, it's given me a lot of of strength and I do feel my mom was a very strong person, very, very inspiring, very beautiful and funny and wonderful. And I feel like you and I have, <clears throat> from what I understand, similar relationships with our moms, sometimes complicated, but also like beautiful. And And I feel now inspired by her and also realizing things aren't as black and white and like looking back. I have a greater understanding of who she was as a person and the I've done a lot of forgiveness and also like seeing her trauma as a child and realizing how it's affected me with certain things and being like, oh, actually, she wasn't this perfect person and nobody is. But now I see things a lot more clearly that everything is nuanced and my stories aren't everybody was great or everybody was bad and like. My exes weren't horrible people. And I was, you know, because those things served me for a time. But even mentioned this one of your podcasts, like things are more nuanced and gray. And that's it's a it's a it's a easier place to live in when you realize that those those truths are like not always what you what you held to be valid and that breaking them down is uncomfortable but it's also it's, it's illuminating is the only word I can come up with mm-hmm. yeah and in terms of 
being strong, right? Like I totally relate to the, no, I didn't want this. Like I didn't want to have to be this strong. And I think for a while, it's like, I felt like it had to be strong even for my mom's parents, like my grandparents, Mm. things like that. And it's like, I barely cried when my mom first passed away. And it Mm. took me a long time to consolidate like what being strong actually means. Mm -hmm. And being strong doesn't necessarily mean holding it all together and pretending like nothing is affecting you like that. That's not strength. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like strength is actually like the willingness to let yourself crumble Mm -hmm. and know that like you're held. Like Mm -hmm. even when it feels, yeah, you're untethered to the earth, like you are still held by life and you are held by something greater than you. And it's all going to be okay. And like you don't always have to be the one to hold everything. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's okay to put it down. (laughs) Yeah. Or say I need help with that. I mean like. That vulnerability is, it's hard for a lot of people because they think that they're giving up. And I'm like, when you acknowledge that you are not perfect, that you don't have your shit together, that you need help, that you're struggling, that's the hardest thing you're going to probably say to somebody when you are used to being the person who has their shit together all the time, or at least appearing like you do. Like taking off that mask and be like, hey, I actually, because you're realizing that it might change how people see you. You might like all of those one of your episodes is called Ego Death, which I'm really curious to dig into. And I feel like this episode could literally be like two hours long because I've had some recent some recent realizations for myself and my career and like attachments to job titles and self-worth through my career mostly and how that has affected sometimes going all in on something because I want to have, I want to be tethered to a title that like serves that ego part of me mm-hmm. and some stuff with career stuff with my mom whatever it's like could go on and on and on but I love like that perspective that you just offered of strength doesn't look like how we thought it did and that same thing about the lack of crying and me feeling like I need to be strong for my mom's family as well and all of her friends and calling them and telling them what was happening and being this like pillar and was was survival and like the fight or flight, but like freeze. It's like I was fighting and I was freezing. And that was that was my survival tactic at the time. And when the, I have a blog that I haven't touched in a long time, but it was called Broken Open, very similar to, <laughs> to ugly growth, because it feels like this outpouring once you've broken through whatever it is that was holding you in, in place and really keeping you safe for that time. And you feel all of a sudden, this, at least I did, this outpouring of my words and I couldn't keep it in any longer. That was really healing for me. But Mm -hmm. I just, I love our conversation. I wanted to see if there's anything else you wanted to add as we sort of come to our like hours together. Because again, Mm -hmm. I feel like we could talk like all the time about everything. And I love what you're doing. But is there anything you want to share with the listeners as we sort of exit the conversation? Mm -hmm. I mean, something that just came to mind as you were, were sharing that, of like you were broken open and you felt the need to just express it and to write it. I think that's the most one of the most valuable things that you can do when you're experiencing grief or really any emotion is to turn it into art, especially as a feminine being like that is your superpower to use that sort of chaotic energy to actually fuel it as like a creative force. So Mm -hmm. writing, creating a podcast, like dancing, I do a lot of dance, like painting, like all of these creative art forms, like that is how you you move those energies of, of grief and sadness and anger. That's such a constructive way to actually transmute that energy into into goodness, into something that you can actually use for yourself. Mm hmm. So. Yeah, I think turning turning your grief into art is one of the most beautiful things you can do. Yeah. And giving yourself permission to be like, this is important. This is just as important as anything else that society has told us is important, like therapy or working out or whatever, like taking protecting time for yourself to do that and honoring it and not apologizing for it or making, you know, or it's just my little thing that I'm doing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's such a that was the whole part of what inspired me to do this work is realizing like when we constrict ourselves in that way like when we shut down when we repress things and we don't allow them to repress like it literally constricts the flow in our 
bodies and it shuts down our immune system. And that is what leads to the, the development of illness and autoimmune dysfunction and all that stuff. So it's this is not woo-woo. This is not, oh, maybe that would be nice if I could do that 20 years from now. Like it is imperative that we do this work, that we look at these inner dynamics of of how we function and how we show up in the world and our patterns of behavior because like literally our life depends on it. So what a way to end. I love that word. <laughs> what a way to end. Okay, Andrea, where can people get in touch with you? I'll have all these in the show notes, but where would you love for people to reach out if they're like, oh my God, this was a, I'm feeling a shift and I need, I, I want to work with you or I want to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. The main channel that I'm active on is Instagram. So my page is at Ugly Growth. So yeah, best way to get in touch would just be sending me a DM there. And then I, yeah, I also have my own podcast that we've mentioned a few times, which is the Ugly Growth Podcast. And that's yeah available on Spotify, iTunes. So yeah, those would be the main places. Amazing. And I just signed up for your email list. So <laughs> just so she has an email list on her website as well, uglygrowth.com. Andrea, thank you so much for being on the Yes We Can podcast. I loved our conversation today. It felt like a big, like deep like sigh, like breath, just like sinking into a comfy chair. And I appreciate all your truth and vulnerability for everyone else. Thank you for listening. And I will see you on the next episode of the Yes You Can podcast. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening all the way to the end of the Yes You Can podcast. If you loved this one, I would so appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That lets others know that, hey, this is a good podcast and it's worthwhile to listen to. If you really loved it, make sure to share with somebody you love who could benefit from a little magic and innovation in their lives. Thanks so much, friends, and have a great day.